Hello and welcome back to The Sharpest Tool, the place where we take the sting out of marketing with everything that we're bringing to the table. Once again, I'm your host, Josh Smith, and I'm actually really amped up about who we have in the booth. I have Dan the Danimal Dowdy from Austin, Texas, actually just outside of Austin, but uh, I'm going to let Dan introduce himself uh, to the show. So Dan, welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Josh. I really, uh, really appreciate it and been looking forward to this opportunity. Absolutely. Well, why don't you give our listeners uh, a little bit of insight into to what it is you do, the type of business you run, and where you're located, where, where you operate. All right, awesome. So yeah, we are just located right outside of Austin, Texas, a little town called Taylor, Texas. And we're actually a, a family business. I'm second generation, and we do uh, residential plumbing service. So how did you get in the trades? It's a second generation, so I'm assuming family-owned, and it was just something you you took on. And I guess, how did that process take place, and, and why did you make the decision to move forward with that as uh, as your career choice? Really, it was, you know, growing up, my dad always said, hey, Dan, you know, either either you're going to college or you're going to a trade because he always told me if you had a trade, you're always going to have a job. And so I always knew that. And so even I grew up in the business as a second generation plumber going through high school years. I worked the summers with with my buddies. And so I had a lot of experience there. But when I got out of school, I went to college for a while to, to experience that. And I realized that plumbing was definitely in my blood. It's what I enjoyed doing. I liked working with my hands. And so you know, I went back into it and I ran a service truck for about 10 years before sure. I actually went into leadership in the company. It's funny. It's like a lot of things in business, you have to kind of take that leap out of your truck into doing a leadership position. And my dad just pretty much said, hey, you're out of the truck. You're going straight to leadership. <laughs> you're going straight into management. You know, I don't yeah. care what you say yeah. because he he was ready to start getting out of it and, and watching me grow in the company. And so, uh, that really is is my my backstory, and then from there we just started making a lot of a lot of great changes to the company. Really figuring out who we were, because for a lot of years, you know, we were the typical plumbing company where we kind of took every job that came in. You know, sure. we were a smaller company, family company, and so we were doing you know residential service, commercial service, mm-hmm. remodels, new construction, just a little bit of everything. But until we really started to find that focus is when we really started to grow and be successful. You know, you hit on something I, I want to dig into a little bit because I think a lot of tradesmen, when they make that jump from being in the truck to being in a leadership position, it, it's a bit of a difficult transition. What did you find most challenging about that? Really most challenging is the mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's if you're trying to do both, it's almost never going to work. You have to give it all to one or the other, typically, because even to this day, if I go out in the field just to go out and check jobs, you know, I have to focus that that's my focus for the day is to go do that. But if you're if you're a service technician and you're trying to do half the day in the field, half the day in the office, you're never going to do either one very well. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different mindset. So the first advice is really once you make that step you have to commit to it and know that there's going to be some times that you want to go back to it and revert back to it, but you really need to stay committed for the long haul. What, what have you done that you have found success in, in making that transition the most impactful as possible for the business? Is there any kind of tools of the trade, things you've learned, you've picked up from other business owners that really stuck out to you? Yeah, there actually is a lot. You know, I really don't even know where to begin. But, you know, when I first got into leadership of the company, I didn't really know what I, you know, what I was doing. Sure. Um, all I knew is that I needed somebody to teach me because we ran a company that I think a lot of people can resonate with this that was a time and material company. It was really a mom and pop type shop. We had a niche in the market in leak detections. So we did a lot of insurance work, but there was a time... I think it was around 2008 where I was like, the economy was kind of going bad. And I really realized that, 
we needed to build our service company that could last uh, through mm-hmm. a bad economy. If our insurance, if the insurance company said no more leak detection, no more of that work, because that was uh, probably seventy percent of our work at that time. So, what I did, I, I just started plugging into best practice groups. We're part of uh, PHCC for a lot of years, and they have a, a group called Quality Service Contractors. Mm-hmm. We got connected with them, and to me, I think there's nothing new under the sun. So, if I can bring somebody in smarter than me in business to teach me how to run a business, then that's what I did. So I got plugged in, got some coaching, and I've never looked back. We're looking at, I guess, 11 years later since I made that transition. And people ask me, Dan, why do you still, you have a great company, why are you still a part of these coaching groups? Even though sometimes I feel that I could be the coach in the group, I still gain a lot of knowledge out of it. Like, I don't want to have that trap of the amateur thinking that I know it all mm-hmm. when I really don't know it all. You know, I still go I, I still go out on a weekly basis and make mistakes. I've made enough mistakes and been coached well enough to really have a leg up in the competition. Absolutely. What when you were growing up and you saw the, you know, your plumbing companies around town, was there anything in particular that stuck out to you about certain plumbing companies versus other companies in the trades? It, from a com- just kind of a competitive standpoint, I want to dive into a bit more of the competition aspect that's going on in the industry right now, especially being in Texas. You probably have a, a number of uh, competitors in the area. Every company, I personally think, is a direct reflection of the owner. Mm-hmm. And so especially when you're transitioning from the first to second generation, I can look at a company and, and just tell by how run down the business is or what their trucks mm-hmm. look like, really who who's owning and leading that company. So I don't know if that kind of answers your question or not, but yeah. uh, that was my direct reflection is we have a great company and we're doing really good things. But then I look at the bigger companies that are running larger service companies and I wonder, you know, how are they doing that? Because a lot of times a mindset for a smaller family company is I don't want to go flat rate because yeah. it's screwing people out of money. And that's kind of the mindset. That's a trap you get yourself in. Sure. because. But then you look at these companies who are doing it, and maybe franchising companies or just really large service companies, and a lot of them are doing it right. Now, granted, there are some that aren't, but there's a lot that are doing it right. And so that really intrigued me to figure out, you know, what it is they're doing and how can I make that happen? Sure. Like I said before, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything is just kind of repurposed. And that's coming from a guy who loves innovation. Let's dive into innovation a little Mm -hmm. bit. How do you stay on top of the innovation in the plumbing industry? I can't say I do a lot of research uh, necessarily, okay. but I, being a part of best practice groups, I do go out and visit a lot of locations, especially as I was growing my company and making changes. I would either go visit somebody or i call somebody um, mm-hmm. and just get advice or get coaching advice. But really what leads my innovation, what leads my vision is really my quiet time I spend in the morning, you know, reading my Bible or praying and I, t- I give God all the credit for my ideas because sure. it took me a while to realize what that was and that gift that I had. But now it's a beautiful thing because I know exactly what it is. So would you say that that plays a large role in what drives you as an owner of a business that sets the tone for the culture that you create? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. And the past 10 years, I've seen a ton of success and a ton of growth in my company. And uh, what happens is if you don't have the right values and the right focus in your life, mm-hmm. money becomes what you're after and it shifts your culture. And what happens is you start hiring and your culture starts shifting towards it's all about the money. And the next sure. thing you know, you have technicians screwing customers and things like that. So as you continue in these steps of innovation and these steps of making a very consistent quality service company, yeah. you're going to see 
great growth in your company, but you have to keep your values in line. Otherwise, you will be blinded by the money and it will be all about your ego and things like that. So yeah. I'm sitting here. It took me nine years to figure that out. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that, you know, I'm a <laughs> genius a here. It's literally been the last year yeah. that I've really have been humbled to that servant leadership role to where I realized sure. that I can't do it without my team. And then also I can't do it without God and his, his direction in my life. Absolutely. How would you describe the culture at S&D Plumbing? We like to have a lot of fun. We like to work really hard. But what happened is over the the last nine years, it became, we made a lot of transitions. We went flat rate. We went commission with our tax. And even as a leader in the company, I can think, I was taught a lot that culture is a lot of what you do for your team, what you buy for your team, what your building looks like. Yeah. All these great things because, you know, we love the millennial generation. You know, we hire them a lot. So I, yeah. I got in that trap of thinking more is better. And so what happened was I ended up with a culture of a lot of entitlement. And even though I had an amazing team, it was kind of like holding up your hands, like what's next? And there yeah. was a lot of entitlement without a lot of accountability. And so you definitely have to have that balance in your culture. And so really over the last year, we've made a shift in our culture to where we've added in a lot more accountability and a lot more appreciation towards what we do. And with that, you know, came really holding accountable to our core values, just really running the best quality service company we can with our core values in mind. But it's easy to say that because what happens is you bring accountability into a service company and the blue-collar industry. Everybody listening to this who's a business owner starts thinking of one or two or three or four or five technicians. They're like, "Uh, you know, maybe we're going to have to get rid of Bob or whatever because (laughs) he's a little bit shady. He may be doing side work or something, and he may be stealing my fittings or or cheating a customer. But then you start thinking, well, he— you know, well, he's like a $500,000 tech or a million-dollar tech. I can't get rid of him. So sure. you have that battle in your head. So one of my sayings, and I always tell myself this, is, is your ego bigger than your culture? And I only say that because we all like to sit here and talk about how many trucks we have and how much revenue we have, but how toxic is that culture? Sure. Nowadays, we have a, you know, you see it all over. Uh, here's $10,000 for signing on to a company. Mm-hmm. That you have technicians running around with handouts who just work that handout and then move to the next company. And I don't want that in my culture. Definitely. You mentioned the millennial generation. I, I know that there's a bit of a a challenge right now in the home services industry as a whole, just in terms of getting younger techs, younger younger people coming out of college or coming out of high school even, and the desire to go into the trades. You know, we have the tech boom. We got a lot of technology companies. A lot of people seem to be going that route. And we're seeing a bit of a crisis in terms of hiring into the trades. Have you found that challenge to be present for you as well? And if so, how have you kind of gotten around that? I can't really say it's a challenge because we saw it as an opportunity and we really kind of attacked it. We go directly to the high schools and we put ourselves out there as, you know, we're wanting to hire some kids and bring them up to the, through a, tr- a local trade program we have and get them licensed. So really with the millennial generation, I think it's about, I think it's more about looking for somebody who fits your values, sure. who's a hardworking kid, who's raised right and ready to go, and then really investing in them personally because the millennial generation doesn't care so much always about the money. They care more about the experience and the time you invest in them and uh, the whole family atmosphere of doing that. And it's all perspective. Any level of company can have a whole different perspective, you know, uh, because I was just visiting a company yesterday and and, uh, he was talking about how he felt that his technicians, they just moved from running the company out of their house to running it out of an actual business, Mm -hmm. you know, brick and mortar business. And he could just see the overwhelming relief from the employees he had working because they just felt that, 
now we're established. The company's not going to go anywhere since we actually have a building and a location. So yeah, as and it was a millennial tech. That's the only reason I'm saying that is, yeah. is you could see in his face that he felt more comfort knowing that that his long term plans are more secure. In terms of you seem to have a lot of. Innovation, obviously, is seems to be uh, at the forefront in terms of how you develop your culture. You're thinking a bit differently than, and because of necessity, because than a lot of other uh, businesses are. Um, what motivates you to continue to think outside the box? I know your faith plays such a great, uh, important factor in how you just run your life day to day and how you run your business. Um, would you say it boils down to that, or are there other things that you find and grab motivation from? Yeah, so I mean, what really drives me is competitiveness. But mm-hmm. on top of that, it's I read a lot of books. Oh, so yeah. when I say read a lot of books, I listen to a lot of audio books. <laughs> like Audible said, is a great thing. I'm a technician at heart. It seems to resonate better when I'm when I'm listening, when I'm driving, or or working out, or doing something like that. But sometimes I wonder why bigger, why better. But to yeah. me, it's more of the fun of the innovation, the fun of doing new things, the fun of shaking up the industry a little bit because. Yeah. I hear a lot of complaining about how it's, you know, too expensive to train my team and I can't ever find any good help and all these different things. But what, you know, what I found my secret weapon is, is effort, stepping out in faith and saying, hmm, maybe today I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and come shoot a podcast, yeah. you know, or go, <laughs> or go turn my iPhone on and get in front yeah. of the camera and shoot a live Facebook video. I've been doing it for years. Oh, I, get, yeah. I get nervous every time. <laughs> I get nervous and that... You know, that nervousness is what drives me, is what, is what excites Absolutely. me, and it's what, why, what keeps me ticking. But going back to the training thing, it's like these guys, these guys and gals need training. Your CSRs need to be trained as much as, just as much as your technicians because they're yeah. just as important as your top-selling technicians. So if you ever say, it's too expensive to train my team, I'm just going to want to slap you because <laughs> it, it really is. I, I hear that a lot from business owners. Yeah. You know, they say, oh, that, uh, that program, that software, oh, it's too expensive. Oh, that marketing company, oh, that's too expensive. And I laugh inside because I think, is that an expense or is that an investment in your company? Because if you're doing it right, you're investing in your company. You're seeing 10 and 11 times return of what you're putting into it. And so they have to get out of their own heads and realize what an expense and what an investment is. And I'm going to keep putting in all the effort and keep and keep uh, growing and keep doing what I'm doing yeah. because I'm willing to get out of my comfort zone on a daily basis and do and just do crazy things. So that's my secret. I, I have a bit of a curveball I want to throw your way because I think it's it's really interesting when we talk about a lot of this theory mindset and a lot of people might be listening to that and they think, yeah, that's great. Work for Dan. Like, I just don't see it. I just don't get it. Or I don't know practically how to move in that direction that we kind of get inside ourselves. And mindsets doesn't seem like something, it seems simple and arbitrary to say, oh, just change your mindset. Was there a time in your professional development that you can tie it back to that was an instrumental event that made the switch in your head for whatever reason, all of a sudden your mindset change? So really... What's really flipped the switch for me has been probably about three years ago. I had a, uh, I had a good friend of mine who's, who's now passed away, but he came into my life really through bow hunting is how it happens. That's one of my hobbies. He came into my life, and I remember getting in his truck one day. He was one of the greatest salesmen I ever knew. I got in his truck one day, and he turned it on, and an audio book started playing. Mm-hmm. It, may have been, it may have been longer. It may have been about four or five years ago. But anyways— it definitely, the first thing I thought was this guy's crazy. Nobody listens to audiobooks, right? And then, and then, but what he taught me is how to 
perfect your craft outside of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, outside of actually hands-on in your business. And so you have to have that discipline. And that was a mind switch of, if I'm going to be successful, I need to to start doing that. And, and that really changed my mindset a lot. And then beyond that, the past year or two, it's really been my journey back to health, really disciplining myself, really learning that every year I need to edit my life. And so I look at my goals as let's edit your life. If it's not making you better, if this person's not making you better, if what I'm eating or doing is not making me better, I'm going to start working and having that discipline to cut that out of my life. And it's easy for me to sit here and say that. I I love food and everything as much (laughs) as everybody else. But it's a secret weapon. You know, successful people invest in themselves. and, And with that, you also have to balance investing in yourself as a million-dollar racehorse, but also once you're out of that and you're into your team, you also got to balance checking that ego and making sure it's not all about you because great leadership comes from servant leadership and humbling yourself. It took me a lot of years to realize that because, like I said, the success trap you get into can really change a person. Once I realized that I had to discipline myself and put that time in for myself, but then transition to putting that time into my team and serving my team that I start to see uh, the growth and the culture that I wanted. Because really, when I look at successful companies, the biggest difference is the team. Who's in your doors? How are they treating your customers? How are you training them to, to treat your customers? Is it consistent service? Is it consistently the same way we answer the phone, the same way we show empathy? And I'll sit here and say, if you want to run a quality service company, it's very simple. You have to train your team, obviously, but you have to train your team to listen and show empathy and care for your customers and then communicate with the customers. I mean, it's that simple in the home service industry because how many times do you call a plumber or HVAC or electrical company out and you really have no idea what time they're showing up and nobody really, you know, you tell them you flooded your house and they're like, oh, cool, what time you want us out type deal, you know? So it's that simple and it sounds easy to say, but you have to train your team to do that. You know, I uh, I heard it said one uh, one time that people are your most valuable asset and your biggest competitive advantage because companies can reverse engineer processes. They can reverse engineer techniques. They can reverse engineer technology. But the one thing that they can't replicate is people because every individual's different, created differently and developed differently, and they have different strengths they bring to the table. So I think what you're hitting on, just that just resonated with me. It, it's just by developing your people, that can be and should be your competitive advantage in the industry and the way to make a mark. 100%. Yeah, that's it. Well, Dan, this this has been awesome. I think we got some really good meat out of this. I, I want to tie it to, to a, a nice little bow here, and no pun intended with your hobbies. Um, <laughs> but... I want to give, like, if you were to sum, summarize just one takeaway, I have, a, I have an idea of what you might say, but if you were to summarize one takeaway for our business owners listening right now, what would that takeaway be? I have too many. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to summarize it to one that they take this and you go implement this in your business tomorrow, you'll see a change. What would that be? Yeah, Really, it depends on what company we're talking about. I was visiting a company here locally yesterday who is at the grassroots of transitioning that second generation and making all these changes they want to make. And they had all these great ideas, but 
for me, it was, you know, making sure they slowed down and channeled those and did slow and steady growth. But the biggest takeaway is, is just that competitive edge in your team. It, it is your team. You know, you got to stop saying it's too expensive to train. You got to stop saying, I can't hire people. You have to build a company with great core values, with a great service system, and really just start investing the time in your team, knowing that it's not going to be instant gratification for you. It's going to be a long-term investment. You're going to see people stick around longer. You're going to see happier customers, more reviews. And then in return, you're going to see a team who is listening and caring for your customers and creating a service experience that's truly life-changing. Why I love doing what I'm doing, it's serving people. That's one thing I have realized over this last year is service company. You say that a thousand times and you never think about serving and servant's heart and how, how that looks. I've given you a lot of takeaways, I think. But anyway, <laughs> the servant's heart, keeping that yeah. in line, keeping your values in line, you know, letting God lead your life and not letting that money drive you and blind you because you'll quickly lose your soul to the to the success traps that you can get in. Absolutely. Well, that, that that's a lot of takeaways, but I think there's a lot of punch and power in that. So, uh, Dan, thank you. This has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to come out and be on the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. I awesome. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And for everybody listening, uh, definitely hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening to your podcast so you can get more of the awesome content provided at the sharpest tool. And also check out the website at www.scorpion.co forward slash the sharpest tool and get more updates on new episodes that are going to be released. And from all of us here at The Sharpest Tool, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. 